turn with me in your Bibles to 1 John 5. And I want to say, while you're opening 1 John 5, um, you know, it's trips like that that we're able to do that uh, because of the generosity of this church. Uh, it's the generosity uh, you give each and every week to the Lord. And, and through your generosity, through your giving, uh, we are able to do trips like that. We, we paid for the swing set. We paid uh, for all new linens. We, pray, play, we paid for almost all of those things that uh, we were able to take down there or, or they were donated. And so I want to say, say thank you. And, and Joel is right. It was, a, it was an amazing experience. To, you can imagine 43 girls going into a brand new home that was made just for them for the very first time. To, to walk into a room that had a closet, that had space, that was just theirs. Before we got down there, they would literally take all their clothes and they just stuffed them in a bucket. And all the girls, they were just all their clothes, but they had, they had to, to walk into a room to have a bed that has linens on it that have never been slept in. To, to have your own artwork. And, and again, it, just in, in God's sovereignty and, and going through um, this study on Deuteronomy and even on prayer, that was an answer to those girls' prayers. For over three to five years, they had been praying for that moment right there. And just the blessing that we got in, in being able to be there on, on the day that God fully revealed the, uh, the answer to their prayers. And, and as Joel said, it was a reminder. We, we talked last week, we began this study in 1 John 5, 14 and 15, and, and we said that first and foremost that prayers are before God. It, they had been praying to God for many, many years for that day. And, and they knew that it was God to whom they prayed. And we talked about last week that ultimately it is God Himself to whom we pray. We're trusting in God. And we talked about that last week. Secondly, we said, and you have there on your handout, they're, they're, they should be filled in for the first two points. Prayer is not only an opportunity to be, to be before God, but prayer is an opportunity to be heard by God. And, and that week was a reminder that God hears our prayers. And He cares. And again, to see those girls and how God used the body of Christ many, many weeks. I think even Ken Egley may have gone down on another week. CWE had been down there for you know, almost 10 weeks working on that building. And God had heard their prayers. Joel mentioned it. Each, each month, they don't have, SCORE does not have the money to span the entire month to run that orphanage, and yet every single month, not a single girl goes without. The, the money does not add up. The, the economics behind running that orphanage, they do not add up. There is more month than there is money, and yet those girls never once have gone without. And here's the reminder, God honors His Word. And we're going to talk about today, God answers prayers when they are accordance to His Word. James 1 says, Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress. God has banked His character and His Word on the fact that those girls will be taken care of. He's promised that He'll take care of them. And how He does it is through you and I. 
and people like you and I all over this nation and the world. But those girls are an answer to prayer and their living conditions are an answer to prayer. Uh, I mean, Dalma has been praying for years and years for a place that would... Could you imagine 23 girls in a 700 square foot apartment? 43 girls in a space that was about maybe 1,200 feet before they moved into this place that the CW built? God heard their prayers. It may have taken longer than they wanted and they thought, but God heard their prayers. And they were dependent. And last week we said that prayer is a dependence. It's a declaration of dependence upon God. They're dependent. They're dependent. Dalma is dependent in ways that I could never even fathom living in America and being dependent. She's dependent. And if God doesn't come through, it just doesn't happen. And guess what? Every single month God comes through because we serve a faithful God. And so the, the first two hand, uh, points on your handout there we saw last week about the theology of prayer was number one, it's before God. But number two, prayer is the privilege, to, the opportunity to be heard by God. And thirdly, as we continue in, in 1 John 5, 14 and 15, he, again, John writes this. This is the confidence we have before Him. Prayer is before Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we asked from Him. And today we, we get to, I guess, what would be the good part, the prayer, the answer to prayer part, what, what you're probably wondering and, and wanting to hear. And God does answer prayers, always. And we have that guarantee. And, and you see there on your handout the third, the third truth, the third truth to the theology of prayer is this. In order for our prayer to be heard by God, we must approach God in an acceptable manner. Please hear that. In order for our prayers to be heard, we must approach God in an acceptable manner. We cannot come to God however we want, on our own terms and according to our own ways, and expect to be heard and expect to be answered. You see what he says here in 514. If we ask anything, some of us stop there. That's not what it says. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. There, there's a big gap between being heard and being accepted sometimes. Those can be two different things. And there's a qualification here. According to His will, our prayers being heard but being accepted by God are not necessarily automatic. Simply because we prayed or that we prayed the right way. There are things that hinder our prayers. And that's what I want to talk about here with this third point. So that we can evaluate our lives and look at our prayer life and say, Am I coming to God in an acceptable way? Is there anything in my life that's hindering my prayers, hindering my prayers. It's interesting, you can look at Matthew 6, uh, verses 5 through 8, and the Pharisees, the, the religious leaders, if you will, of that time were praying, and yet they were not heard. It says, verse 5, When you pray, in Matthew 6, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corner, so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full, but when you pray... Go into your inner room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. You get what you're asking for. 
They wanted man's approval. The Pharisees did. And guess what? God says, you got exactly what you wanted. You wanted man's approval. You got man's approval. That's it. Even though they were praying in the temple, praying in the synagogues, they were not praying before God. They were in the holy of courts at that time, the holiest, and they, they were not before God. Their prayer was not accepted by God. Why? Because they were more concerned about people than they were about God. They were more concerned about praying before people than they were the fact that they were praying before God. They were more concerned about people and their own will rather than God's will. And we'll see later on in James 1, verses 5 through 8, it says, someone who prays and doubts is, is, is like the unstable, unshifting, they're double-minded. And it says, that man or woman ought not to expect anything from God. They, they prayed before men, they prayed for men, they prayed about men and not God's will. And guess what? They got no response from God. This teaches us that praying to God, before God, it's bigger than turning to a certain direction. It's bigger than bowing the knee. It's bigger than just entering the walls of a special place. It's about recognizing that you are before God. You are praying to God. And it's about being concerned only about that. Not about all this peripheral stuff. It's about being before God and seeing His will done on earth, not mine or your will done on earth. We can get so concerned for things that don't matter, concerned about who we're in front of, concerned with who we're around, concerned for all these things and expect to approach Him in a right way. It's not going to happen. When our lives are consumed about our desires and not God's desires, it's not going to happen. The reality is, is we could stand in the middle of Jerusalem and pray and not be before God. We could go to Calvary's Hill and pray and not be before God. If we're going to approach Him, we've got to approach in an acceptable manner. Look, look with me at James. Flip over uh, to the left, just a couple of books to James 4, verse 8. Just turn over 1 Peter James is right before 1 Peter. James 4, 8, Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Listen, but listen to what it goes on to say. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. If we're going to come before God, we've got to come clean, and we've got to come pure. We can't come to God double-minded, the meaning concerned totally about the things of the world and then trying to be concerned about the things of God. We've got to come to God concerned about the things of God. We, we've got to come clean. And there are things about our lives that will hinder our prayers. Some of us are wondering, why are my prayers being answered? Some of what we say today may help with that. And hear me, I don't want you to think that, 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 we have, that, that we'll be perfect, that, that this is a works-oriented thing. What I'm saying is before you come to God, repent. Before you come to God, ask God to cleanse your heart. Before you come to God, ask God to reveal sin in your life. Before you come to God, repent of that known sin. Cleanse your heart. And I'm going to give us some areas that the Bible is very clear that hinder our prayers. When we try to come to God with these things going on in our lives, knowingly going on in our lives, they will hinder 
our prayers. And I use that word hinder because that's the word that the Bible uses. And so I, I've listed 10 there, and, and I've given you a passage. We're not going to read the passage, but, but, but I'm just telling you what I'm telling you is biblical. I have that there to show you that. So these are some hindrances to praying before God and our prayers being accepted. Number one, our prayers will be hindered when we pray and have unconfessed sin in our lives. When we knowingly have unconfessed sin in our lives, our prayers will be hindered. Psalm 66, 18 tells us that. Not only that, our prayers will be hindered when God's Word does not abide in us. John 15, 7 tells us that, that His Word must abide in us. Let me read that one real quick. I can find that one quick. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. That's the same exact thing of saying according to God's will. God's word is his will. You want to know what God desires? This right here. It's not mysterious. It's not out there. He's made it known. He has decreed, this is what I desire. Obviously, there are things out there about God's will that, that he's not going to reveal to us that we just simply have to trust. But pray His Word. You want answers to your prayers? Pray His Word. Guaranteed, God will back up His Word. Not only that, our prayers will be hindered when we do not pray in faith. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please God. And he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who seek Him. You've got to come and pray in faith, not doubting. James 1, 2 talks about that again. He who comes to God must not come with doubt. Being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Not only that, when we pray with wrong motives, our prayers will be hindered when we pray with wrong motives. James 4, 3, You ask and you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. Wrong motives. You wouldn't do that to your child. God being a greater father than you is not going to do that to his child. Our prayers are hindered. Fifthly, when we pray or are concerned what other people think. When we're praying for show, when we're worried about saying the right words, when we're worried about who's watching and who's listening, and we're more concerned about people than we are about being before God. We read that in Matthew 6. Your prayers are hindered. Sixthly, six, sixthly, I don't know if that's even a word. <laughs> sixth, maybe we'll just say that. Sixth, our prayers are hindered when we're not truly relying upon the Lord. James 4, 2, you lust and you do not have, you, so you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You're trying to gain things on your own. You're going about it your own way. When, when we live lives that we exhaust every other resource known to man, and it's like, okay, it's come to that. We've got to pray now. He says, don't, don't come that way. Don't come that way. Don't come relying on you. Come in prayer relying on God. Seventh, a hindrance to our prayer is when we fail to endure in prayers. Luke 18, the parable of the persistent widow you can look to Matthew 7 as well. Ask, seek, and knock. Those, those verbs are in the continuous form. Continually ask, continually seek, continually knock. If we're honest, our prayers, and we'll talk about this in a minute, we just don't persist in prayer. You know what that tells us? It tells us it really wasn't a desire. 
It really wasn't a heartfelt thing. When you pray for it one time and then God never hears it again, you really didn't care about it. Because I guarantee you, the things that you care about, you'll persist in. And God responds to that. The parable of the persistent widow tells us that. Eighth, hindrance to prayer. When we pray and have not forgiven people of their sin against us. When we pray harboring unforgiveness. When we know that we refuse are refusing to forgive. And, and hear me, these are known things. That's why when we come to God, we say, God, reveal to me any unknown sin. But th these are specifically talking about things that you know are going on. Mark eleven twenty five. Whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father who is in heaven will also forgive you your transgressions. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father who is in heaven forgive your transgressions. You can't harbor unforgiveness, willingly harbor unforgiveness, and then run to God and expect to be accepted. Now, in His grace, hear me, in His grace, he, He'll do exceedingly beyond at times. But He's telling you, I'm not hearing that. Ninth, hindrance to prayer. When we pray and use meaningless words rather than praying from the heart. When we're more concerned about form than substance, and that was the Pharisees in Matthew 6. Or, or when it's just rote, when there's no heart attached to it at all, when we're just going through the motions. Matthew 15, 8-10 says, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship, with, in vain do they worship me, just merely teaching precepts as taught by men. They're just going through the motions. They're just saying the right words. It's vain. It's worthless. It's useless. Tenth, and I saved this one, and this is where I got the word hinder from. When we, our prayers are hindered, when we pray while our marriage is not in order. First Peter 3, 7, Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, so that your prayers will not be hindered. When, when our relationship with our wife is knowingly wrong, when... when when we're a husband specifically, when we're not living with our wives in an understanding... Again, it doesn't say understand your wife. They're, they're guys, I'll just say it. They're not understandable. Makes no sense. That's just part of the joy. Learning each day, who did I marry? Figuring out that day, who did I marry? She's wondering too, who she married? Live with your wives in an understanding way. Doesn't say, understand, doesn't say you have to understand them. I don't understand why my wife does half of what she does. I just say, Lord, I'm, I'll, I'm, I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you. We, we're, we learn the joy of marriage. We're learning. I, I'm learning that, it, and Karen and I are learning. Anything my wife tells me after 9 o'clock, I promise you she's going to tell me the next day the same story she has forgotten that she told me last night. After 9 o'clock, it's done. I just have to sit there and listen. And apparently on my face sometimes, she's like, I told you this already, didn't you? You did. Why didn't you stop me? I'm just living with you in an understanding way. I'm just letting you tell it again. It was a good story. But guys, when, we, when we're not being the men that God's called us to be, expect nothing. Expect nothing. Again, God in His grace is going to be God, but your prayers will be hindered. That's why I use the word hindered. God will be gracious. We're not to presume upon that grace, and it, God is so much better than me 
than I deserve to be, and I'm far from perfect in any of these areas. But our, these will hinder our prayers. And to knowingly pray with these in our lives, the Bible is very clear, your prayers are going to be hindered. Psalm 37.4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Praying starts in delighting. We pray about that which we delight in. And our desires follow that which we delight in. And prayers, if we recorded our prayers, they are an expression of our delights. As convicting as that may be or not, our prayers show the areas that we delight in. Or don't delight in. I, I read this week an illustration that, that, that resonated with me. And, and, I, and it may resonate with you as, as I look back. And if I told you last week about going to QZAR and the hit ratio and how scattered it was. And it was all over the board. I mean, I was hitting my own players more than I was hitting the, the other players. And, and this illustration, it pictured pray, our prayers as sometimes like a playful boy who gets his bow and arrows and just flings them anywhere. He just puts an arrow in the bow and is just flinging them, just flinging them anywhere with no concern of a target, no concern of where they're going, no concern of anything, just flinging their arrows everywhere. And I thought, is that how we approach prayer? Is that how, is that how we approach prayer sometimes? That, is that maybe why we don't get answered? Because we're really not aiming and in 1 John 5, 14, it makes it clear our aim is the will of God. Our aim is the word of God. Our aim, the center of the target is God. The center of the target is His glorification. I mean, the right way to pray is to take an arrow, to put it in the bow, to draw the string, and sometimes to wait, to listen, until you know for sure where the target is. Know what you're praying. Be silent for a moment. Collect your thoughts. Listen to your thoughts. Listen, listen to God speak through His Word. And as you're doing that, God is simultaneously fixing my eyes on the target. So that when I release the arrow, that he, it hits the target. And the target is God Himself. The target is His will. There's no point in just flinging arrows all over the place. Wait until you know what you're going to do. Collect your thoughts. Think through this through. Pray through the Word. Read through the Word and then pray. Think about what you're doing. Focus on God's will and then pray. Appro to, to just approach God in a nonchalant, casual way with these things we just saw, that's, that's paramount to just flinging arrows all over the place. There, there's no target. They're not going to hit the target. And to knowingly come to God with any of these is a hindrance. It's careless. And by, God's Word is very clear. Come clean. If you're going to come to God, we must come clean in order for it to be an acceptable prayer. We've got to come clean. And our target needs to be the will of God. Needs to be the will of God. Not, again, you go to Matthew 6, teach us how to pray. You know what he said? Not my will, but your will be done. The target is God's will. The target is God's glorification, not our glorification. 
It's drowning out all the distractions. It's drowning out all the clutter. It's drowning out all the peripheral. And it's focusing on God himself and saying, God, I want you to be glorified more than anything else in all my life. And so I'm coming to you because I am dependent on you. And if our prayers are going to be acceptable, we must come focus on his will, but we must be submissive to his will. We must pray in submission to his will. According to his will and submissively to his will. You say, Chris, what's God's will? God's will is this, the advancement of his kingdom, that all men would hear the gospel. God's will is focused on his gospel. God's will is focused on the salvation of the lost. God's will is focused on the sanctification of the saved, the growth of the saved. God's will is focused on his glorification. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 says, this is the will of God. Very clear statement. This is the will of God. What does it say? Your sanctification. How much of our prayers focus on our sanctification? And that's becoming Christ-like. That's not getting more and more. That's becoming Christ-like. That's more of Chris, uh, more of Christ, less of Chris. That's John 3.30. He must increase, I must decrease. Is that what our prayers center around? You can look at Acts 20.24, very clear. God's will is the, is the salvation of the lost. 1 Thess 4.3, the sanctification of the sinner. That's his, that's his desire. We exist, our, and, and God has given us the privilege and the opportunity to pray. Why? For the advancement of His kingdom, not the advancement of my kingdom. It's that God would be glorified, not that Chris would be safe and happy and fattened with stuff. It's an advancement of a kingdom. We're soldiers fighting a battle that we can't win apart from the efforts of our commanding soldier, and He has given us prayer to win the battle. So come clean. If we're going to come clean and expect an answer, or if we're going to pray and expect an answer, we've got to come clean, and we've got to come in a right way. And lastly, fourth, when we come before God in prayer, we can expect an answer. I said that right. We can expect an answer. We can have the assurance that Moses had, that others had, that God has heard, and that God has accepted 1 John 5, if we know that if He hears us, and if we know that He hears us, if we've come clean, if we've, if we've done that, we've prayed, if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests with which we have asked from Him. So what does that look like in our lives? Here's what this looks like in our daily lives. Faith. It looks like living by faith. It looks like taking God at His word and living out His word. It looks like coming to God, laying our quest, requests before Him, the best of our ability, and walking away in faith, being satisfied that God has heard, and God has it, and that He loves me. And I go living knowing, with the confidence that God has heard me. And that if I've prayed according to His will, I will be submissive to His will. And I have, by faith, I have whatever it is I've asked for. It's faith. It's daily faith. That is the answer to prayer. It is the ability day by day by day to live by faith. Again, Hebrews eleven six. If those who come before God must, if it is impossible to come before Him and please Him, except by coming by faith. 
Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is the, assur- is the confidence of things hoped for, the assurance of things not seen. Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the answer. That, that word assurance, those word confidence, they literally mean title, title deed. When you pay your car off, when you pay your house off, guess what? The bank mails you a deed. It says it is yours. That's what that word is. It's through faith. It's through faith. And listen to James 1, the, the challenge here, though. The challenge, James 1, 5 through 8. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. And again, that, that wisdom there is, God, I'm going through a trial. The specific context is this. I'm going through a trial. I have no idea what this is about. Can you show me? Can you reveal to me what you're doing here? And, let, and he says, but he must ask with the, in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man, the one that comes doubting, ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. It's faith. It's faith. It's confidence that God is who He is, that He loves me, that He's for me, not against me, and, and, and His will is going to be good. He's going to answer my prayer to the best of what's for me. It's faith. It's not just slinging arrows all over the place just in, just in case. It's faith. It's confidence who God is. It's submissive, submissiveness to His Word. And when we pray, we come before a living God, a God who cares, a God who can sympathize with our weaknesses, a God who longs to be compassionate to us, a God who longs to take our burdens and have us cast them upon Him because He cares for us, 1 Peter 5 says. And we must believe that more than anything in the world when we pray. It's coming in faith. It's praying in faith. Our faith is the answer. Living by faith is the answer. It's the confidence to live that God, I am assured that God has heard, that He cares, and that He will do what is best. I'm confident. And, and when, as soon as I say that, we live in a culture that, that that's not naming and claiming. Listen, I, I believe that God will supply my needs, but I do not have the Bank of America in my back pocket. Okay? And, and faith is not believing foolishly. Faith is believing the truth of His Word. It's believing the truth of His Word. It's not me making up things and then putting them on God and saying, do this. No, it's me trusting His Word. It's the truth. And there is a big difference between believing what your imagination says and what God's Word declares to be true and what He's promised in His Word. And we need to make a big distinction there when it comes to our prayers. Living by faith is not saying, I know I have it when you really don't have it. That's a lie. Faith that I'm talking about is living like you have been heard and knowing that God will provide what is best according to His character and according to His Word is a confidence that simply says, I know my Father's heard me, I know that He loves me, and I know that He will act on my behalf. And I will receive in faith whatever He does. Turn with me, and we're going to close here, Matthew 7. To, to paint this for us, to paint this picture. God has given us a, a perfect illustration here of what I'm talking about. Matthew 7, verses 7 and 8. It's on the screens if you want to read it there. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. 
Knock, and it will be opened to you. That those words there are continuous action. It is a polite, reverent knocking on the door. It's perseverance in prayer. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you? He goes on to say, we'll look at that in a minute, but the question you want to know is this. How, How do we understand those promises? Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. Ask, receive, seek, find, he says. What do those mean? Does it mean that we get everything we ask for? Does it mean I just come to God and tell God, hey, this is what I want, I expect you to do it? Is that what we walk away from here thinking? And if you isolate those verses, then the answer is yes. If you you pull those out of their context, if you just rip them out, you're going to walk away here saying yes, and you're going to be wrong. You're going to be wrong. The greater context here would clearly, would clearly, the answer to that question would be no. And here's why. Look at verses 9 and 10. Or what man among you is there among you who, when his son asks for a loaf, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will not give him a snake? Will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is heaven give what is good to those who ask him? He says there clearly, hey, guys, you're, you're good, you're decent fathers. If your son asks for a, for a bread, you're not going to give him a stone or a fish. And if he asks for a for a fish, you're not going to give him a snake, and you're, you're not going to trick him. If you being able to give good gifts, how much more do I give good gifts? The problem is this. It says there, God only gives what is good. You and I, in our sinful disposition, sometimes we don't know it, but we ask for a stone. What we're asking for is a stone instead of bread. Sometimes in our sinfulness, we're asking for a snake instead of a fish, and we don't know it. Should we expect God to answer that in the way that we've asked? Absolutely not. You wouldn't do that. Sometimes our kids come up to us, and what they're asking for, they don't know any better. But if they knew better, they would not ask for what they're asking for. In our perspective, we don't give them what they're asking for. Why? Because we love them? Because we're for them? because we want what's best for them. And and in God's wisdom, sometimes we ask for snakes and stones when we think we're asking for fish and bread, and God cannot answer those prayers. And thankfully, we don't want Him to answer those prayers. And we've got to trust Him, just like our kids have to trust Him. And, And you look at the bigger picture of Matthew 7 in the whole Bible, it says, when we ask, when we seek, when we knock, We are saying, Lord, we are dependent totally upon you, and we receive in faith whatever it is you give. I receive in faith however you choose to answer. Does God answer prayer? The answer is always. The answer is always. And here's how. You see it on your handout. Sometimes God's answer will be exactly what we ask for. Different ways He answers. Sometimes it will be exactly what we asked for. Those are always nice. Sometimes his answer will be exactly what we asked for, exactly when we asked for it. So it'll be what we asked for when we asked for it. Those are real nice. 
Sometimes God answers prayers by giving us something different than what we asked for. Sometimes He gives us something different than what we asked for. That's what we saw there. Sometimes He gives us something different and a different time. We're real good about putting these time constraints on God. You've got to do it this way according to this time. And if not, you're not getting credit for the answer. He don't work like that. I'm just telling you, in my sinfulness, if my son came to me and said that, I guarantee you it wouldn't happen. Just to teach him a lesson. Now, thankfully, God is a better father than I am. But, but, but again, sometimes he gives us something different at a different time. But hear this. Sometimes he just says no. And when he says no, it's always because of this. He has something better in mind. When God says no, it's because he has something better in mind. And, and, and we're going to have to accept that by faith. And that becomes the real answer. The question, the real question regarding prayer is this. Can we be trusted however God chooses to answer? Can we be trusted with however God chooses to answer? And it's going to involve faith. We're going to have to trust that what God has in mind is better. Will we be a people that is content with being heard and receiving whatever it is God gives? And and hear me, when 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 we see that word better, we have to filter better through the word, not the flesh. If you filter the word better there through the flesh, better won't always be better. But if you filter better through the word, it'll be better. We are going to have to trust Jesus with our prayers and how he answers. He is the giver of good things, period, no matter what he chooses, no matter how he answers. I mean, we... we, I'm not immune to much of what y'all have going through. Been there, done that. Prayed for a grandfather to, for the, the lung cancer and the, the staph infection to not take his life. And guess what? God answered the prayer by taking his life. But guess what? My grandfather was a believer in Jesus Christ. And you know what the Bible says? So from the flesh standpoint, from the flesh standpoint, better wasn't better. From the word standpoint, better was better. Because to live is Christ and to die is gain. Precious is the home going to God of one of His saints. Precious. Better wasn't better if you filtered through my flesh. But better was better when by faith I filtered the answer through the Word and through the character of God. And we've got to be a people who do that. Flesh and faith, two different things. And I pray that God would keep us from the falsehood of believing and relying upon our flesh, of grading God according to the flesh, rather than according to the truth of His Word. And I pray more than anything that I, starting with me, but but also for you, that we would have this attitude. I will believe anything, however monstrous it may appear, if God says it. I'll believe anything, no matter how big it is, if God says it. But I will believe nothing, however desirable, merely because my flesh imagines it, or because my mind can think of it, or because I desire it. I will trust God's Word over my feelings. I will filter prayers 
and prayer requests and answers through the Word rather than the flesh. And I will grade God based on the Word. Not that I ever grade God, but I will trust Him. Because He will always come through with this Word. Again, Hebrews 11.1, 1, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Strong faith brings a conviction that this world cannot shake. Inspired by the Word of God, fueled by the Word of God, fueled by the very character and the nature of the God whom this Word tells us about. And I, and I pray that we would be a people that has a faith that is immovable, just like they shared there in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, being strong, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, being steadfast. Listen, we pray to an omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God not some lame, weak, or disconnected God from His people. He cares. And strong faith reminds, it quiets my spirit, it stills my spirit while reminding me of this truth. I have been in the presence of God and He has heard my supplication. And I'm content with that. And God, I trust whatever you do with that request, I trust you that it will be for my good and it will be for your glory. I pray that we would be a people that are content like that.